Hello everybody, welcome back to the Insightful Thinkers podcast. We are talking about Mad Villainy today, the legendary hip-hop album by MF Doom and Madlib. MF Doom on the microphone and Madlib on the production. And we're talking about the free associative internal rhyming mastery of this album. We're going to talk about what this is in a second. Um, Free association, essentially, it's just um, when an artist kind of just paints or writes whatever comes to mind and that's what mf doom was doing on with these lyrics and internal rhyming is when rhymes are occurring within the lines and not just at the end of the lines so real hip-hop fanatics know um, how incredible this album is and i hope to do a little bit of an in-depth analysis into some of the rhyming patterns on this album to illustrate how spectacular it really is this album was Uh, recorded in the early 2000s and released in 2004, as I mentioned, uh, rapping by MF Doom and production by Madlib. Mad Villainy really was MF Doom's comeback project after a five-year hiatus from hip-hop due to being dropped from his label. So after spending all these years, um, apparently he was homeless for certain periods of the time and, and, uh, was just living kind of, he was kind of living a nomadic life. He kind of came back from this and also from the loss of his brother too. His brother passed away in a car accident. He was in a rap group with his brother called KMD before this. So when he returned, he came back with a villain persona and he was seeking revenge on the industry that turned its back on him apparently. So he started wearing a mask and now he is never photographed without this mask. Um, he were, he started wearing a mask similar to the Marvel comic villain, Dr. Doom, but he later just started wearing a gladiator mask and he now is photographed always wearing this. So he's adopted this villain persona who is kind of seeking revenge on the music industry in a way, just like a villain origin story. He, um, he kind of, things in his life kind of made him become more villainous he feels and that's kind of the persona that he portrays on this album called mad villainy mad lib on the other hand he is a legendary producer from oxnard california a lot of great musicians have come out of oxnard california um no one seems to be able to put their finger on why anderson pack is another one that a lot of you guys probably know uh in a spell of creative brilliance really in brazil madlib made hundreds of beats within a matter of weeks and some of these beats appeared on this album and in making the album after madlib's trip to brazil they came back to los angeles california to record this album and to collaborate the two uh artists mf doom and madlib rarely spoke Madlib spent most of his time in what was called the bomb shelter. It's like kind of like a basement studio room with all these records that he could sample, uh, no windows and everything. And MF Doom spent most of his time up on the porch writing rhymes. Sometimes after finishing beats, Madlib would hand MF Doom a tape of like 50 to 100 beats, just just short loops, not like full two, three minute beats. And Doom would just take this CD and record some songs and then send it back down to Madlib and mixing engineers for recording. So this is kind of how the album came together. 
they Madlib is a man of few words. If you listen to any of his interviews, he doesn't talk much and him and Doom hardly interacted while making this album, but the chemistry on there is still incredible for having barely talked. It ended up being a 22 track album, but only 46 minutes long. And this is because most songs are shorter than three minutes, which is uh, not typical for most albums. And why are they so short? Well, none of them have any hooks or any choruses. It's really just rapid fire, fast paced rhyming by MF Doom. It's really wizardry in effect. And for the entire album, he does this uh, with the exception of just a few instrumental songs and a couple guest features is just MF Doom rapping the entire time and just spitting a flurry of rhymes. And the uniqueness of this album is really what has given Mad Villainy such widespread critical acclaim. Uh, It's one of the most highly rated hip hop albums ever, really. Um, Music critics praise Doom's lyricism and also Mad Lib's production at the same time. The album was ranked in various publications list of all time greatest albums. Slam Magazine, for instance, said musically innovative in a way that is nearly impossible to do justice to in print. Mad Villainy is a chameleonic masterpiece. And just as it is difficult to do justice to this album uh, in print, it is also very difficult to do justice to this album through audio. But we're going to try our best today, you guys. So the first thing I talked about was free association that is in the album. So really just writing whatever comes to mind without filter or intention to convey meaning necessarily. And I mentioned that artists would use this technique. Surrealist artists in the surrealism movement in the early 1900s, uh, go check out um, the Origins of Modern Art episode if you want to learn more about that. But surrealists use this technique in art and they attempted to paint using only their subconscious and just letting the brush flow across the canvas and letting it almost flow by itself. So I'm of doom In this album, he writes his lyrics in a similar way. He just pens whatever rhymes come to mind, regardless of how much sense they really make. But because it is so refined, this album, it actually, most of it actually does end up making sense, even um, amidst all these crazy rhymes. And the fact that most of it makes sense is part of the brilliance of this album. This is what MF Doom says Um, about how he uses his free associative techniques. He says the whole Doom persona and idea and how we approach those records, it's like you're hearing my thoughts, what I'm thinking about when I'm walking, just random thoughts as if you're in the mind of the writer. Whatever you first think of, just do that. Our stuff isn't scripted. Whatever comes to mind, do that, record that. You know what you're saying, you know how you feel. So he just goes by how he feels and he just lets his writing flow. He says... The first thing you think of, just do that. And this is the spontaneity that you see on this album. So what's an example of some of this? Let's start to get into this. So this free association, he says, for instance, hold a cold one like he hold an old gun, like he hold the microphone and stole the show for fun, or a foe for ransom, flows as handsome, O's in tandem, anthem, random, tantrum. So (laughs) this is a real line from this album on Rhinestone Cowboy, the song. And so he's just saying whatever comes to mind. First, he's talking about how he's holding all sorts of different things. Uh, Then he talks about how he also kind of holds foes for ransom as a villain. 
And then he rhymes foe with flow. And then he goes on to talk about his flow and how his flow is, is so weird and crazy. So this is the nature of these free associative rhymes. And while he's exhibiting this free associative method, he's also using internal rhymes. Um, and we'll talk about these internal rhymes in a second. So the AV Club, it compared this album to a buffet where Madlib and Doom are interested in throwing out ideas as fast as they have them, giving as much attention as they need to each idea, and then just moving on to the next thing. This is kind of what Doom does here. He's talking about what he holds, and then he just randomly talks about his flow. He just moves on to the next thing. Just as Madlib's beats are so short, he just it's just one after another and, and 22 songs on there. Tim O'Neill of Pop Matters praised Madlib's instrumentals and said they make the album a sonic feast. It's just like a big feast of all, all sorts of sounds. And these sounds, they're really just a bunch of internal rhymes and really the best rhyming you will ever hear in perhaps any album ever, not just in hip hop, but just in anything. And let's talk about some of this today. So first of all, we have to understand what an internal rhyme is, though. Most hip hop songs, uh, they only include rhymes at the end of each bar. A bar is a line wrapped across four separate beats. So take an example from a mainstream song like Drake's Nonstop. He says, prayed, then I prayed again. Had a moment, but it came and went. You don't want to play with him they'll be mourning you like 8 a.m. So here at the end of each bar, he rhymes again with went, and then he rhymes him with a.m. So just at the end, there's a, a small little rhyme there, and this is just hip-hop at its most fundamental level. It's just pretty simple rhyming like that, or, or most songs in the end. But what Doom does is rather than rhyming only at the end of the bar, like not only Drake does this, but <laughs> and Drake's had more complex rhyme schemes to be fair than that. But rather than doing what most of hip hop does, Doom also attempts to fit as many rhymes as he can within the lines while also rhyming at the end as well to keep the integrity and the flow of the song. Take Meat Grinder, for instance. And by the way, you guys, we are going to put the, uh, we're going to put the songs and the color-coded rhyme patterns on the screen for the YouTube viewers, and we're going to put it on the website for the podcast listeners, just so you can get a better idea of how crazy these rhyme schemes are. In Meat Grinder, he says, tripping off the beat, kinda, dripping off the meat grinder, heat niner, pimpin', strippin', soft, sweet minor, China was a neat signer, trouble with the script, digits double-dipped, bubble-lipped, subtle-lisp midget. So look at all the rhymes in just... Uh, I believe this is four bars here. So he rhymes trippin', drippin', pimpin', strippin'. He rhymes beat kinda, meat grinder, heat niner, sweet minor, and neat signer. And then in these next bars, he rhymes trouble, double, bubble, subtle, script, dipped, lipped, lisp, digits with midget. So almost every single word here has another word that rhymes with it in the matter of four bars. As a matter of fact, just looking at the color-coded pattern here now, there are only about five or six words out of four entire bars or four entire lines of, of poetry, really, that don't rhyme. So, and it also makes sense too. Like when he's talking about dripping off the beat, kind of dripping off the meat grinder, it's kind of like it, it's 
what he's spitting is our raw lyrics like it's like raw ground beef coming out of a meat grinder so this is kind of the raw nature of his raps and look how he uses he rhymes it in such an ambiguous way but still conveys meaning he also says at the gates of heaven knocking no answer slow dancer hopeless romancer dopest flow stanzas so here we have a rhyme with no answer, slow dancer, romancer, and flow stanzas. And then we have hopeless rhyming with dopest. Almost every, after At the Gates of Heaven knocking, every single word rhymes. No answer, slow dancer, hopeless romancer, dopest flow stanzas. Every word has some kind of a rhyme in there. Um, look at the creativity with the rhyming as well when he says, um, no answer and slow dancer and then romancer so romancer obviously is one word but he rhymes that with a pair of two words just little creative things like this and what what does this line mean well as a villain um it's almost like there's no answer when he's knocking at the gates of heaven to be let in because he's a villain and villains don't go to heaven he also says in the same song just say ho i'll test the yayo wild west style fest y'all best to lay low hey bro day glow set the bet pay dough before the cheddar get away best to get mako what are the rhymes here so he has just test and these rhyme these words don't fully rhyme but the way he says it like jest or test west fest best he rhymes say ho with yayo lay low hey bro day glow pedo and mako all of these words rhyme he rhymes i'll with wild style and y'all and then he rhymes set the bet with best to get and then just as an added little rhyme he says before the cheddar get away so cheddar with getta look at it's almost as if doom is trying to fit as many rhymes as he possibly can within each each line what does this mean so it's basically he's basically saying like it's a wild west style fest out here he's in the west coast uh, so other rappers should lay low he says to avoid being sprayed by doom's lyrical attack of bullets he goes on to say hack doing songs lit in the booth with the best host doing bong hits on the roof in the west coast hack doing the way he says it in the song is far better than I'm conveying it here, but he actually uh, hack doing imitates the sound of spitting almost. So it's almost meaning that Doom is spitting songs while lit under the influence of of the bong hits that he's doing on the roof. Um, uh, and he, he also says he's in the booth with his partner Madlib, who is the best host um, as he smokes on the roof. So look at the creativity to work backwards from the word doing that starts the next bar and saying hack doing like he's spitting to create the rhyme so it's almost as if he had the line about doing bong hits on the roof in the west coast and then he needed a rhyme for doing so he said hack doing not even a word but just the sound effect that he made rhymed with that backwards in the same song, he also says, the van screeches, the old man preaches about the gold sand beaches, the cold hand reaches for the old tan Elises, Jesus. So he rhymes van with man with sand, hand and tan. He rhymes screeches with preaches, beaches, reaches, Elises and Jesus. He rhymes old with gold and cold. Look at all of these rhymes. Again, the color-coded pattern shows almost every single one of these words rhymes in a matter of just 
two or three bars. In curls, he says, hands so fast he can outspin the flash, known to smoke a whole mountain of hash to the ash. Boom bash, leave the room with the stash. Assume it's in a smash, doom get the cash. Fast, flash, hash, ash, bash, stash, smash, cash. All rhyme, as do boom, room, assume, and doom. Money folder, he says, Pan it, can't understand it, ban it. The underhanded ran it, planned it, and left him stranded. The best, any who profess will be remanded. Yes, sir, request permission to be candid, granted. I don't think we can handle a style so rancid. They flipped it like Madlib did an old jazz standard. So we have pan it, understand it, ban it, underhanded, ranted, planned it, stranded, remanded, candid, granted, rancid, madlib, standard. Almost as many words as you can possibly imagine that rhyme with pan it. He says pan it, and then he almost, in a way, thinks of all the words that could possibly rhyme with this and still strings it together in a sentence that somewhat makes sense. He also rhymes best with profess and request, just to sprinkle in a few more rhymes too. Um, and again, you see the style of rhyming one word with a combination of two words. So, for instance, pan it is two words. He's talking about like when you pan the audio from left to right ear and, and have it uh, more loud on one side. He rhymes pan it with granted or mad lib. These are, this is one word or standard or remanded or rancid. So he has these creative ways to find rhymes. There was also some free association here. If you look, if you listen to the actual song, um, he, when he says pan it, right before that, Madlib kind of in a, in a amazing kind of stroke of brilliance to connect the rhyme with the, the production, he panned the, the, the word stereo from left to right ear, kind of back and forth. So who knows what was created first? Was it, was it MF Doom's bar or was it Madlib's panning? Um, it seems like it was it was uh, MF Doom's lyric of stereo because when you heard that, then Madlib just as a little trick panned it, and then all of a sudden um, <laughs> MF Doom talks about panning it in the song. So there's an amazing collaboration there, even though they hardly spoke. You have to wonder how this came to be and. Um, it's it's very difficult to explain if you've never listened to this song, but you will definitely notice if uh, if you have heard this song, and you'll hopefully understand what I'm talking about. How this this free associative way of writing happened when once the the panning effect took place, then all of a sudden uh, M of Dune started talking about panning it, and then he rhymed words with pan it. Um, in Figaro, we have an amazing chain of words here. He says. The rest is empty with no brain but the clever nerd. The best MC with no chain you've ever heard. This is absolutely incredible. And it sounds so nice for what reason? Because there are three rhymes within each bar here. So he says, the rest is empty. And that rhymes with the best MC on the next bar. Then he says, with no brain. And that rhymes with no chain. And then he says, clever nerd. And that rhymes with ever heard. So rather than just rhyming clever nerd, or not even not even just clever nerd and ever heard, but rather than just rhyming nerd with heard and calling it a day, and that's acceptable hip hop, he includes three separate kind of uh, blocks of rhymes in there that rhyme with something in the next part, making it absolutely incredible. 
what does this mean? <laughs> it should also mean something if it's going to be considered as uh, acceptable poetry or acceptable hip hop. And so what it means is the rest of the industry's music is mindless in a way, except for the clever nerd who is the best MC with no chain that you've ever heard. With no chain, what does this mean? So this in two, the early 2000s, this was the bling era in hip hop. So all of these rappers had these huge chains, but MF Doom with his mask, he's totally opposite. He stays on the low. He's not flashy at all. So he says he's the best MC, um, the best rapper with no chain that you, you'll ever hear pretty much. But it could also mean that he's the best MC with no chain that you've ever heard before. So it could mean like you've never heard a chain of rhymes like his. There's, I'm the best MC with a chain that you've never heard before, a chain of rhymes that you've never heard before. Thirdly, this best MC with no chain you've ever heard could also refer to him being an independent artist, which he was at the time. Um, so he has no chain or like a domineering label that's that's holding him back from making exactly what he wants to. So this is almost like a triple entendre in the midst of some of the most spectacular rhymes you'll ever hear. Now, I hope you guys are understanding why this is considered as one of the, the best hip hop albums ever. Um, also, finally, one more thing in there just to sprinkle in. Note that Figaro, the song's title, is a type of chain, making the best MC with no chain reference come across even more nicely. So there are so many intricate details just in in uh, just in a couple bars, um, making the album so incredible. He says in the same song, he says, it's too hot to handle. You got blue sandals. Who shot you? Who got you? New spots to vandal. Do not stand still. Boast your skills. Close but no krills. Toast for ponils. Post no bills. Coast to coast. Joe Schmoes flows ill. Go chill. Not supposed to overdose. No dose pills. Off pride tykes tuck wide through skarmy. Off sides like how wharf rides with Starfleet. That that right there is the best sequence of rhymes I have ever heard in a song. Almost every single word rhymes, and it actually has double entendres and wordplay and meaning within it too. He rhymes too hot with you got, with who shot you, who got you, new spots to do not. He rhymes handle with sandals, vandal, standstill. He rhymes boast with close toast post coast schmoes supposed overdose he rhymes off pride with offsides and he rhymes and with talks uh, talk wide and more rides i can't even comprehend how many things he's rhymed in this in this one little sequence uh, which is why it's one of the to to not only say this tongue twister but say it on beat with the type of flow that he used it boggles my mind how it was even able to be recorded. What does it mean? Well, too hot to handle, you got blue sandals. Let's start with that. So his rhymes obviously are too hot to handle. So you need to wear sandals as if you're protecting yourself from hot sand. But it could also mean that his rhymes are so hot that when other rappers approach him to battle, they get cold feet. Um, what because he says blue sandals it's like you have blue feet blue is typically a color used to present represent coldness 
when he says, do not stand still, boast your skills, close but no krills. It's like, try your best against the villain, but you only fail in the end. Close but no krills refers to the phrase close but no cigar. So he changes this phrase um, to his own taste just to fit in the rhyme. Then he says, coast to coast, Joe Schmoes flows ill, go chill. Not supposed to overdose, no dose pills. That O sound over and over and over again. No pun intended. Um, so what does this mean? So across the country, Joe Schmoes flow. Joe Schmoes, MF Doom, because he, he's hiding behind the mask. So it's just some some guy who, who you don't even know who it is. His flow is so is nice, so it's ill. So other rappers should chill out since their raps are as boring as overdosing on no-dose sleeping pills. Doom refers to himself um, kind of, as I mentioned, as Joe Schmo because he remains low-key and off the grid and mostly anonymous behind the mask without any flashiness. Um he goes on to say, off pride, tykes talk wide through scar meat. This means, so out of pride, inexperienced MCs, these tykes, talk a big game in a pompous way and are, are, are pompous like this, like scar from Lion King. Notice the word pride. Pride could be a reference to a pride of lions, like, like little lion tykes, or pride rock from Lion King. And he also mentions scar in there too incredible wordplay there. He goes on to say that these inexperienced tykes or these experienced MCs talking a big game is unadvised or offside, like how Worf rides with Starfleet. Lieutenant Worf from Star Trek was a Starfleet officer, which is considered offside because in the original Star Trek series, his group, the Klingons, were always fighting against the Federation instead of with them. So, Look how he's still able to make sense with, within all of these incredible rhymes. Um, and let's talk about a little more how he's able to not only make sense, but even tell stories cryptically within these internal rhymes. And he does this very well in strange ways. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to put up the entire verse onto the YouTube screen, and then I'll put the entire verse on the website too, but I'm going to break the verse down line by line and talk about how he's telling a story within these incredible rhymes. He starts the bar, the verse with wreak havoc, beep, beep, it's mad traffic, sleek and lavish people speaking, leaking to the maverick. So he rhymes reek with beep, beep, sleek, people speaking, leaking, and then he rhymes havoc with traffic, lavish, and maverick. So <laughs> he's talking about a drug dealer who is dealing or trafficking drugs and the upper class of sleek and lavish people speak and leak the details to the maverick, who is the police officer. He goes on and he says, he sees it as just a fe another felony drug arrest. Any day could be the one he picked the wrong thug to test, slug through the vest, shot in the street for pulling heat on a father whose baby's got to eat. Rhymes sees with felony, he, street, heat, and eat. And then he rhymes drug with thug and slug, and arrest with detest and the vest. So here the maverick or the police officer goes to arrest this drug trafficker. And the police officer sees it as just another day at the office. But any day could be the day he picks the wrong person to arrest. And this happens to be that day in the song. The police officer gets shot in the street for pulling a gun on the criminal while he was trying to arrest him. Then he goes on to say, and when they get hungry, it ain't nothing funny. Paid to interfere with how a brother get his money. 
so hungry, funny, and money, of course, there rhyme. And he says what he's talking about is when desperate people are hungry, things get serious for officers who, in a way, are paid to interfere how how poor brothers, he says, get their money. When people are short on funds and living in poverty, they sometimes use illegal means to to feed their families who who's their babies who have to eat. So it's almost as if they are against the police officers who who they feel as if are paid to interfere with how they get their money through illegal means. But Doom continues and he says, now who's the real thugs, killers, and gangsters? Set the revolution, let the things bust, and thank us. He rhymes, killers, gangsters, things bust, and thank us. So Doom questions, even though this thug just killed the police officer while the police officer was trying to arrest him, Doom questions who the real thugs, killers, and gangsters really are, though, considering the disproportionate police brutality and killings of black men. Um, so he suggests that maybe there should be a revolution to change this in the next line. Uh, or actually in that line when he says, set the revolution, let the things bust, let the let the guns shoot, and then thank us for inciting the revolution as an anarchist, as a villain. Remember, this may not be these may not be his true feelings. This is just his villainous persona talking. And the anarchist, kind of as if as um, V in V for Vendetta was an anarchist hiding behind a mask. And then he finishes up with saying, when the smoke clears, you can see the sky again. There will be the chopped off heads of Leviathan. So not too many internal rhymes there, just sky again and Leviathan, but still very creative how two words sky again, and he rhymes it with such a different word, Leviathan. He's saying that when the revolution is over and the head of Leviathan is chopped off. So in other words, when society's governing body is eradicated, things will be peaceful. The head of Leviathan, this is a metaphorical term used by the philosopher Thomas Hobbes to refer to the head of society or its governing body. According to Hobbes, this governing body is important for protecting members of society from the horrors of their ungoverned nature. So Hobbes is for this Leviathan structure or the head of Leviathan, a governing body to rule over people, to prevent them from just to prevent anarchy, essentially. But from Doom's anarchist standpoint, being the villain that he is, it's better to eradicate Leviathan and these rulers to fix the problems of society. Um, really a very interesting verse with talking about themes of, of anarchy in there. Um, Notice the wordplay as well. Leviathan could refer to Thomas Hobbes' Leviathan about this this governing uh, force that that pays attention to people so that anarchy does not arise. But it could also refer to the seven-headed sea monster in Christian and Jewish writings that is meant to be slayed at the end of time. So the reference of chopping Leviathan's head off works both in terms of Hobbes' definition and in the religious context of chopping the head off Leviathan. This is like a really a piece of cryptic poetry when you read the entire verse. And the fact that he's incorporating these internal rhymes so skillfully, so masterfully, makes, makes the rhyming this album the best you'll ever hear. Let's go to Great Day, and we have two songs left we're going to touch on. This is not an exhaustive list of every little internal rhyme in, in the album. It's just the notable ones that I took, and I felt that I could at least break down in some way. In Great Day, he says, Looky here, it's just the way the cookie tear. Prepare to get hurt and mangled like Kurt Angle, rookie year. So we have Looky here, cookie tear, and rookie year. And then we have hurt and mangled with Kurt Angle. 
another creative way to rhyme. Now he's rhyming three words, hurt and mangled, with two words, Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle was an he had a he was a WWE fighter who had an amazing rookie year. So he's saying as a villain, other rappers should prepare to get mangled as if I was Kurt Angle in his vicious rookie year in the WWE. He says, Mad plays the bass like the race card. Villain on the case to break shards and leave her face scarred. So bass, race, case, break, and face. And then card, shards, and scarred. Um, So what MF Doom is saying is that Madlib deploys bass in his beats as a technique like someone might use the race card as an argumentative technique. He says, I kid you not, on the dotted line signed, ever since a minor, kids considered him some kind of Einstein on a diamond mine grind. She was dumb fine, but not quite the type that you might want to wine and dine. We have lines signed, the song, the sound mine and minor. Kind, Einstein, diamond, mine, grind, fine, wine, dine. <laughs> it feels so weird saying all these rhymes because typically you don't see this, hear this many rhymes in just a matter of four, three, four bars, but this is the nature of this album. He also rhymes not with the sound dot and dotted and then quite type and might, just spitting rhymes just crazily. So what does this mean? So he's kind of saying how ever since a a minor considered him some kind of Einstein, it's like the villain showed precocious abilities even as a child. Um, And then he says he's out to get the cash like he's on a grind to mine diamonds with his raps. And then he talks about how a girl he meets was attractive, but perhaps not so intellectually stimulating that he should um, take her out for for wine and 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 dinner, <laughs> but it could also mean though that the girl was a gold digger and she was the one who was on a diamond mine grind herself, and this is why M of Doom doesn't want to take her on a date. So this goes back to the ambiguous nature of this album. You don't even really know if he's talking about himself, if he's talking about the girl, and. We've talked about this before. I can't remember specifically what episode it was. P- perhaps the origins of modern art. Just about how sometimes the more ambiguous things are, the more acclaim they get and the more uh, legend that surrounds the piece of art because nobody's ever truly able to break it down. And I'm almost positive now that it was in the origins of modern art episode because that's where we talked about uh, kind of the art and how it doesn't always have a uh, like a logical answer to to a painting or or a logical explanation or meaning and this kind of resembles this album here it's forever ambiguous so every time you listen you're always going to be wondering exactly what it means and this creates a lot of replay value and um artistic value frankly and this is what makes projects like this last for so long and become classics because no matter how many times you listen you never can put your finger on exactly what something means or maybe you you just uh listening one day or listening in a different place or in a different state of mind a new idea pops up about the song so it leaves a lot of things open to interpretation and just recording this episode now now i'm seeing kind of more so why this album was so critically acclaimed. It's not just due simply to the tactics MF Doom uses with his internal rhymes and his free associative rhyming, but also with the ambiguity of what he's actually talking about. And 
you know what, there is a fine line between ambiguity and things that simply don't make sense. And he did walk along this line. And for some of the negative reviews it did get, people say that it doesn't make any sense and it's not ambiguity. It, it has no meaning. And that is where, um, that's the line that he's on. But for the people who understand it as being, no, this is artistic ambiguity rather than stuff that doesn't make any sense at all, that's when it becomes a classic. And you have to take risks as an artist like this. And it all came off for Doom and, and Madlib with this tape. Let's finish with Rhinestone Cowboy, you guys. I've had a great time talking about the rhymes on this album, um, bringing some of these concepts to light through uh, through another form of, of audio. So I hope you guys are enjoying it so far. And let's close it out with Rhinestone Cowboy, one of my favorite songs of all time. He says, hold a cold one like he hold an old gun, like he hold the microphone and stole the show for fun, or a foe for ransom, flows is handsome, O's in tandem, anthem, random, tantrum. So he rhymes hold with cold, and then hold again, old, and stole. He rhymes one with gun and fun, and he rhymes foe with flows and O's, and then ransom with handsome and tandem, anthem, random, and tantrum unbelievable rhyming unbelievable free associative rhyming and we we talked about this in our example to talk about what free association is and kind of as i mentioned there he's talking about how he holds all these things like he holds a cold beer he holds a he holds an old gun he holds the microphone um but then he talks about how he also holds a foe for ransom too or he steals a foe and holds him for ransom and then he just he finds a rhyme with the word foe and he says oh flow rhymes with foe and then he talks about his flow is handsome and then he has o's in tandem anthem random tantrum so maybe he's talking about how his flows are almost like anthems made of random tantrums and i know this is a little bit goofy but it makes sense what he's talking about even a goofier line to start i believe the next verse on rhinestone cowboy he says goonie goo loony cuckoo like gary gnu off new zoo review but who knew the mask had a loose screw hell could hardly tell had to tighten it up like the drells and archie bell he rhymes goonie with loony goo goo with cuckoo gnu new zoo review who and new and he rhymes hell with tell drells and bell Still, again, some of the craziest rhyming you'll ever hear. When he comes on the verse with these crazy rhymes, it always boggles my mind. The replay value in this is through the roof. This is why it's a classic, you guys. The replay value is there. Um, look at the free association as well with the ooze sound. Um, to, he's talking about Gary Ganu, Cuckoo, Goo Goo, New Zoo, Who Knew. And then he says who knew the mask had a loose screw. And then he just talks about how he had to tighten up the loose screw on his mask. The, this could refer to how, uh, talking about the background of this album's creation. So the album leaked 14 months prior to its scheduled release date. So what Doom did is he said, hey, we're going to have to make a bit of a different album. We're going to have to step up our game to make people also excited for the the actual album so he redid all of his vocals in a sense tightening up the screws of his craft tightening up the doom mask even tighter to really lock into his metal face doom persona to release a final a better final version so uh, the the mask had a loose screw i had to tighten it up like the drells and archie bell 
tighten it up like the drells on Archie Bell. Tighten up is the biggest hit of the Archie Bell and the drells group. So look at the wordplay here and also look how he reverses it. He said, had to tighten it up like the drells and Archie Bell instead of saying had to tighten it up like Archie Bell and the drells. So look at just the creativity to reverse the band's name just to give his rhyme a better flow there. The final rhyme we're going to talk about today is he actually ends the album with this, I believe, or it could be the second last verse. Um, he says, you're blind in the wine zone. Leave your mind blown. When he shine with the nine, he's a rhinestone cowboy. Blind, wine, mind, shine, nine, rhine, and zone, and stone, and blown. Two bars. How many rhymes within those two bars? Um, unbelievable rhyming. And unbelievable wordplay, too, as well. Just some more complexity before we close this off. He says, when he shines with his nine bars, your mind is blown, kind of. Or you could be talking about when he is holding a nine millimeter pistol at you as the villain he is. The pistol is literally shining and it also literally leaves your mind blown when he, <laughs> when he blows your brains out with the pistol as a villain. Uh, either way, though, whether he really is toting a gun as the villain or is spitting lyrical bullets, he shines like a rhinestone and is like a cowboy at the same time. So the complexity of this album, so dense, so complex, it makes it really impossible to pinpoint exactly the nature of his free associative stream of consciousness. We don't really know how to put ourselves in his mind and what he was thinking about when he was writing these rhymes and what he really meant to mean, if anything. But really, guys, that's what adds to the uniqueness and the greatness of this album. The fact that we'll never know exactly what kind of wavelength M. of Doom was on when writing these lyrics and what kind of wavelength Madlib was on when producing these beats. We didn't even talk about the mastery of, of Madlib's production. We just talked about Doom's rhymes. But when you, and when you pair these ridiculous rhymes with some of the most unique sampling to ever exist on an album, that's when you get one of the best hip-hop albums of all time. We could equally do an album of how many samples Mad Lib used on this album, how he twisted these samples. Um, many of the samples are from very obscure genres, sourced from a bewildering, bewildering array of international music. Um, so what Mad Lib would do, he would take records uh, like uh, records and make a beat out of every song on that record, despite his friends seeing the obscurity of the records saying that he wouldn't find any usable samples on there. So almost just despite his friends, he would take this random piece of Brazilian music or um, some kind of Indian music or Chinese music. And then he would take every song on that record and turn it into a beat. And his friends were just, mind blown this is, this is a legendary producer we're talking about the entire all caps beat for instance which we didn't even touch on today and it has some amazing rhymes in it too but that entire beat is made from an eight second sample of a cartoon opening so look at the creativity of of mad libs beats to try to represent how doom is like a villain kind of as if doom is like the marvel the marvel's doctor doom and he uses this comic music to just add to the the ambience of the album and you know this album 
I didn't even touch on everything. There are so many rhyme sequences that I didn't include just for time's sake. We're already at 45 minutes. I've been trying to keep these closer to 30, definitely under an hour. So let's talk about the legacy now of this album. Um, along with how it lives in fans' heads, it's actually uh, quite clearly influenced a lot of young rappers that you hear in today's music. You hear these types of wordsmiths in today's hip-hop. None of them quite like Doom, but um, most of them do note that they've been influenced by Doom in some way. You look at Joey Badass, you look at Earl Sweatshirt, and uh, the late Mac Miller and so on. Uh, Danny Brown, for instance, his career just started when Mad Villainy dropped. He said <clears throat> for him, Mad Villainy introduced new ways of structuring songs and taught him how to be a rule breaker. He said, I never knew you could make an entire album without hooks and have it sound that good. That album showed me that music has no rules. Before that, I thought you needed 16 bars and hooks to make a good song, but Doom really showed these young artists that you don't need that. You can just be a superior rhymer, and um, it will live in the minds of, of hip-hop fanatics forever, even with <clears throat> with breaking the rules in a way. I took two... two um, Two rhyming sequences from a couple more recent artists just to close out this album and, and see if you can see the resemblance with some of the Doom rhyming sequences. Take Earl Sweatshirt's Hive when he says, Crack ceramic and slap a hand out of cash accounts. Stamp and shout and thrash and these guys then let the crack in now. Crack a lack and like snap crackle pop in your ammo off. Hide your face and throw your flannels off incredible internal rhyming that doesn't just occur at the end of the bar and he is he is uh, when he met doom he was so excited and he has said how big of an influence doom was you look at mac miller his song diablo he says it's the rap diablo macho one i drop flows bar gets raised up it's me and pd pablo colder than gazpacho colder than the mono Rappin' head honcho rockin' shows like I was Bono. I go, play a couple keys on the piano. The industry's a lie, all the promises were hollow. These guys were underground hip-hop heads, really. Underground hip-hop fanatics. And they took a lot from MF Doom's style. And uh, MF Doom's style, I believe, will continue to permeate hip-hop for... Um, as long as I'll be around, certainly, and uh, it, it, he'll, his music and his rhymes will continue to permeate in all of hip-hop uh, fans' minds, including mine, and this has had a great influence on me, and even I kind of like to write poetry, and I like to, uh, he's one of my main influences, really, in, in the way that he's rhymed, and um, just the way he thinks, his free associative ways, and uh Yeah incredible lyrics hope you guys enjoyed this episode and incredible production too listen to the album um most of you guys still listening till now have likely heard the album of course uh, but listen again listen just in the spirit of the day and in the uh i definitely listened in again and was i'm equally blown away each and every time i hear this Thank you guys so much for listening to this longer episode today. We are growing our community through word of mouth. So if you liked this episode, please share it with um, a couple of your friends who are also interested in Doom and Madlib and production and underground hip hop 
or who you think might be interested in this episode, please subscribe as well on whatever platform you're listening or watching on. Leave a starting or a review on Apple Podcasts or a like on YouTube and also share your own ideas about this episode in the YouTube comments section from the connect page on the website, insightfulthinkersmedia.com, Instagram at insightfulthinkersmedia or Twitter at teamitm. Also check out the poems and the articles that are on the website. And if you want to join the monthly ITP video conference call where we come together every month to analyze topics together, you can support the podcast on Patreon, you guys. But whatever you guys do to support, listening and watching is always plenty, as I've been saying, and I will continue saying. Thank you for listening to the Insightful Thinkers podcast, everybody. We will be back next Monday, as always, for more in-depth analysis into a diverse set of topics. Take care, everybody.